is a great day. Um, this is uh, twice a year we come together as a church and bring our very best to help move things forward. We call it Endeavor. <clears throat> Endeavor is our collective commitment to faith, to generosity, to impact, and Endeavor giving helps us with facilities, it helps us with missions, uh, it helps us with a lot of different things that uh, enable us to reach more people for Jesus and do great things for God. And so possibly you're here visiting, or maybe it's your first time or you're new around here. And I just want to say, I'm actually so glad that you're here because you are why we do what we're doing today. Uh, trying to help people meet God and find a relationship with God that's life-giving and lifts their life is what our church is all about. And it takes a lot of things to make a church fulfill its function in the earth. It takes prayer. It takes serving. Uh, it takes leaning in. It takes a lot of things. But it also takes us bringing our best in terms of offerings to help resource everything that God's called us to do. On the last Sunday of September, 1989, that was a long time ago. Uh, how many of you were, were born before 1989? Let me see. Lift your hands. How many of you were born after 1989? Lift your hands. <laughs> you weren't even born. And we were having our first service. <laughs> a little bitty group of people, 27 people, uh, gathered in a little Days In conference room. And I wish we would have had good capacity to video that service because you would have seen why you don't despise the day of small beginnings uh, on, uh, on that first Sunday. And we launched out into uh, what was going to become the Rock Church. It was our first Sunday to meet. Believe it or not, the last Sunday of 89, we did that. The last Sunday of 1997, of September in 1997, exactly eight years later, we moved into this building. We built this building. It took us about a year, a year and a half to get this place built once we got started and bought the land and all. So today, we are literally, we're sitting in a facility, uh, a building that was built 19 years ago, almost 20 years ago. And, uh, and a lot of our kids and a lot of ministry is taking place even right now in the annex that was built two years after we built this building because we had outgrown everything that we could do in here and we now have space for our kids and all. And I just want to say that this building and that the building behind us, all of us, all this was built on the faith and the sacrifice and the service and the generosity of a bunch of people who came before us. I think we ought to say thank you to them. Come on, can we, can we say thank you to them? Amazingly, some of them were a part of helping this place exist before you were even born. That's incredible to think about that. It does not mean that I'm getting old. It just means that you're young. Here, we know that at least 15,000 people have given their life to Jesus in this building. And I think that's another thing to be grateful for, at least that, because we don't know everybody. 
And, and I kind of went back and did the math, and today would be Sunday number 999. So 19 years times 52 plus a few more Sundays. So far, 999 Sundays we have had church in this building. Not to mention all the youth services and when we used to have Wednesday night services and all that. I have preached a lot of messages in, in this room. But, uh, but I will say that there's no, we could count the number of hands that people might raise to give their heart to Christ, but there's no way to count the amount of help and healing and heaven being poured into people's lives and lifting of lives that has taken place in this place in 999 Sundays. Um, I don't know if any, is anybody in here an Atlanta Braves fan? Anybody Atlanta? Okay. I, when I asked that in first service, there was literally one person that raised their hand. I don't know, have you ever gone to a game down in Atlanta, Turner Field? And uh, Turner Field was, was built for the, actually it was built for the 1996 Olympics. And it was kind of the centerpiece of the Olympics in 96. And then they took it and remodeled it so that the Braves could play their games there. Uh, I sat right there, right 10 rows up from the third base line, right at third base, and watched Sid Bream, the slowest human being that has ever played any sports on planet Earth, round third base and score to beat the Pittsburgh Pirates for the National League championship. We stood on our seats and screamed forever. That's why I think church worship can be loud too. It's okay. Amen. And, uh, and so this facility uh, cost in 1993, when they first started building it, uh, $209 million uh, to, to build this. In 2005, uh, this screen in the middle, this, this new HD screen that's in the middle of center field here was added to uh, Turner Field. And that screen itself, just the screen, which was at the time the largest video screen in the world was uh, added, and that screen cost $10 million. $10 million. I would like to put a screen similar to that right here. That, that would be awesome. Well, it doesn't have to be $10 million, but a million, that would be okay. $10 million. So 1996, now it's 2016. 20 years later, the Braves are abandoning this stadium, uh, which if you were to walk in, you would, consider, you would look at it and say, this is state of the art. And now, 20 years later, they are building this stadium in the north side of Atlanta, uh, and this is called Sun Trust Park. This stadium is being built. The, the projected cost is $672 million to build this stadium. They've been in one stadium for 20 years, and uh, now they're moving out of it, and they're either going to tear it down or they're going to sell it to a college, and they're going to redo it. But $672 million. I I'll bet you it's going to be $800 million before it's all said and done. 
20 years is approximately the timeline that most teams will be in a stadium of multiple hundreds of millions of dollars and, and then move on to keep things fresh, to keep things up to date, to keep moving forward. And I think they understand this idea that if you're going to be viable uh, in the world that we live in, whether you're playing sports or any kind of uh, entertainment thing that's going to happen, there'll be concerts that'll take place here. About 20 years is as far as you can go for something that's used publicly like that. They understand that keeping their facilities fresh and up to date is part of the equation. If, if you're going to move into your future, you got to make your house look like the future you want to move into. And I think it's okay for us to understand that us keeping our facilities fresh and up-to-date and current is absolutely essential. Now, those stadiums don't win championships. The team wins championships. And our facilities don't reach people for Jesus we reach people for Jesus, right? We are the church. But having the tool that God would entrust to us to use for his glory, I say this, if it's important enough to, to, send, to spend seven, $800 million on a facility to play baseball in, I think it's okay for the glory of God to make his house an incredible place. Amen. For his glory for his cause in the earth. One of my favorite passages of scripture that's kind of guided my thinking a lot uh, is uh, King David, 1 Chronicles 22, verse 5. He says this, he's, he's casting a vision for his son, and he's casting a vision for all the people that are around them. And he says, the house that's to be built for the Lord shall be exceedingly magnificent, famous and glorious throughout all lands. Therefore, now I will make preparation for it. I, now I'm making preparation for the future. So David made ample preparations before his death. Then he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. God put his vision into David's heart for the house of God. God put his vision into David's heart and had David dreaming and having a vision for the house of God being exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious. And David made preparation for Solomon, the next generation, to succeed. David was not stuck in his past David was not even stuck in his today. He was looking to the future and realized that if we are going to see things move forward, we can't just hold on to the past and we can't just even hold on to today. We've got to have a transgenerational mentality. We've got to have this vision for the future. We've got to have this ability to look forward and build forward. David was thinking ahead. David was thinking beyond his own immediacy, what he was living in today, and he was actually looking forward to a future and creating a legacy. He was taking the blessing that God had given him in his generation 
and creating a platform for the next generation to succeed on. All of you people born after 1989, we are creating a platform for you to take this thing further, faster, higher, better than we ever have. Our church started on a platform of 500 bucks in the bank and three people. Thank God the platform is bigger now for the next generation. Those of us born before 1989, our role is creating a platform for the future to happen on. Can anybody hear what I'm saying? Here's the vision David carried in his heart. Here's the dream that David had inside of him. His dream given to him by God was God's house deserves the very best. Not the leftovers, but God's house deserves to be exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious. And I believe that as Solomon was growing up in David's house, David was constantly casting vision into Solomon to say, Solomon, this is what God's house is all about. This is what the future is supposed to look like. You know, the power of a dream and the power of a vision is that it can take what exists today or what doesn't exist today and create something brand new. The power of a dream can change your life. The power of a vision can take you from (laughs) barely making it to exceedingly making it. It can take you from barely surviving to thriving in life. Don't ever let your dreams, don't ever let your vision be stolen away by a set of circumstances. Don't ever let it be stolen away by the opinions of small-minded people. Come on, I'm, I, that's better than... Sometimes you just got to dream dreams when you're right in the middle of nightmares. <laughs> and you just got to know to move forward. I, I had came across this the other day. It was, it was a, some thoughts I had written down. It actually used to keep a little blog going. And, uh, but in... Uh, 2007, our church was, um, we had, we had kind of gone through a difficult season, and I would say that, and that's an understatement, from 2004 to 2007, and it was just not fun. Church was not so much fun during that season, for me anyway, and for my wife, and, uh, and I remember, you know, I'm reaching the end of 2007, and how many of you know when you're in a wilderness, you don't get signals like you're now leaving the wilderness. <laughs> you're now exiting your desert season. I mean, you know, that's, that's what makes it a wilderness. 
There's no roads. There's no signs. There's no nothing. And you don't know when it's about to be over. And I didn't know that our season of kind of wilderness and difficulty was about ready to come to an end. But I remembered the dreams and the visions that I, I just, I wrote, this is what I dream for our church, right in the middle of a difficult situation. I dream of a church that's accessible enough to people who haven't embraced Jesus yet, but still spiritual enough to grow those who already know him. I dream of a church that's full of mystery and decidedly practical. I dream of a church that's big enough to make a difference and yet small enough to provide intimacy and care. That's what happens in a rock group meeting, and that's what happens in a uh, celebrate recovery session. I dream of a church that's filled with great big sounds of worship with every person entering into an intimate personal worship experience. I dream of a church that's full of lots of fun and laughing and enjoying the colors of life, but also having enough character to not abuse those beautiful gifts from God. I dream of a church that has an atmosphere that's positive, uplifting, encouraging, faith-filled, go for it, you can do it, God's on your side, everything works out for you, God is good, you are gifted, you are valuable, and yet it's compassionate enough to be touched by people's hurts. Come on, I, I dream of a church that's non-judgmental of others, yet totally committed to living a holy life that pleases God. I dream of a church that's modern and ancient. I dream of a church that's embracing all the promises of God, but totally in touch with the reality of the world we live in. I dream of a church that's all about the presence of God and all about helping people. I dream of a church that has fantastic, life-filled, inspirational, totally cool meanings at church and then taking it all out to the streets outside of the church meetings. Hey, that's a dream. And I feel like that God is fulfilling, fulfilling that dream for us. Out of dreaming, out of vision, amazing things can happen. Oh, our ushers are going to hand out a little infographic to you and just to let you see some of the things that have happened uh, through our church. And these are the things that our endeavor giving today is helping to support. This is one year in the life of the Rock Church. It's not the best year we've ever had. It's certainly not the worst year we've ever had. It's just a year in the life of a church that believes in dreams and visions and trying to do something great for the glory of God. The first thing I just want to point out is this, is that I just want to thank God that this year we were able to celebrate 27 years as a church. Come on. Hey, let me tell you something. The days in that we first met in ain't there no more. Gone completely mowed down, isn't there? I've seen businesses, even churches, come and go in 27 years. But I just want to say thank you, Jesus, 
for, tw- for our 27th year being an amazing year of touching lives for the glory of God. I think it's worth being grateful for. This is our second year of Celebrate Recovery, and we had 175 new people come in to Celebrate Recovery this year, an opportunity to touch people with hurts and hangups and, and difficulties that are around their life, some with addictions, some with just personal needs, and truthfully, that's probably all of us, but we've been able to offer that and provide that ministry. Our church has had six mission trips this year. We went to Nicaragua twice, went to Romania, went to England, went to South Africa, even went to the foreign country of Atlanta, Georgia. And work with the Dream Center there. Our high school interns went there. 55 people went out on six different mission trips this year. Maybe 2017 will be a year where you go somewhere and make a difference for the glory of God. Local outreaches, uh, our Sevolution uh, season during the summer, we had 113 people serve 565 volunteer hours. But then I'm maybe more excited about this, regular monthly involvement and ministry around our community. We partnered with uh, other ministries, 227 people got involved, 912 volunteer hours. So that means total our church serving our community 340 people gave almost 1,500 volunteer hours. We partnered with Mana Food Bank, Western North Carolina Rescue Mission, Canton Community Kitchen, Trinity Place Shelter. I think that's awesome. We're here to make Asheville a better place and got involved in it. Here's another great thing that happened this year. $124,644 were given in monthly mission support, teams going out, ministries that we support that are outside of our community and community outreach. Almost $125,000 given away from our church. That is fantastic. Amen. Starting point, we have a starting point today, this afternoon. If you're new, we'd love for you to come and check it out and maybe become a part of our church. We added 102 new members, people who joined the family who said, this is my family. I'm going to pray. I'm going to serve. I'm going to love. I'm going to give. I'm going to get in there. Everybody needs a family, place to belong. We, I mean, the truth is, we had so many great things happen this year. Paul Scanlon weekend uh, was amazing. Our relationship weekend was amazing. We had two men's events, had over 300 guys show up for those two men's events, had one women's event that had over 300 girls. So one women's event takes two men's events to equal one women's event. Come on, brothers. We got we to gotta get, get better at this. Oh, men. Love you. Here's, I think this might be my, my favorite thing about this year is that in this year, uh, 1,118 people have responded to Jesus in our church. That, that is, that is, a, that's almost, a, and we're not even finished with the year yet, right? So, so that means 100 people a month are in some way responding to give their life to Christ or to come back to him. And here's what's cool about this. 79 of those have been children. Uh, and how many of you know, my wife is a testimony to this. You can get saved when you're young. 
Yeah, and, and great things can happen in your life. 283 students in our nation ministries have responded to Christ. And 756 adults on Sunday mornings have responded to Christ. And I just want to say praise God for all of that. And that's, this is the kind of stuff that we are supporting. Now, I want to give you this real quick. Seven reasons. I won't take long on any of them. But seven reasons I love God's house. And seven reasons, and there's probably a lot more, that I want God's house to be great. Not just great, exceedingly magnificent, famous and glorious in all the land. Number one is this, lives get changed in God's house. Come on, I, I just, 27 years, I can tell you, this past year, I can tell you, people get saved, marriages get restored, broken hearts get healed, direction gets given, new mindsets start to come in for people, aha moments happen, the power of love heals people's lives, the power of purpose and direction lifts people's lives, the presence of God transforms people, the power of God's word empowers people, God's love heals people's lives. I was 18 years old when I really gave my heart to Christ, and I could promise you this, I was going nowhere in a hurry. I'd spent my entire high school life getting high almost every day. I was headed for trouble. I was already in trouble, and I just want to thank God for my little bitty church that loved me and brought me in, and here's what I realized. For me to become the man that I am today, and I still got a long ways to go to become the man that I want to be and that God wants me to be. I needed a church. My life got changed in church. Salvation happens in a moment, but restoration takes time. Church is a place of restoration. Hey, listen, if you don't have it all together, you're in the right place. Because this is where God's restoration happens in people's lives. The house of God. I want to read you a story. This is a, a, a family in our church, and we asked them to share their story because God has done some amazing things in them. Brian and Julie Carter. We're going to show their picture. This is a great family, and they wrote this down. I want to read a few of these things to you. Brian and Julie Carter have been members of the Rock Church for three years. And in three years, it's impacted their family in a major way. Brian first heard about the Rock Church many years ago when he worked for a media company that put Pastor Kirk's weekly messages on TV. We used to be on local TV here. Every week for years, Brian stopped by the church to pick up a tape of the show and bring it to the station. As Brian put several local churches' messages on the air, he said he couldn't help but be drawn in by Pastor Kirk's teaching. It stood out from all the others. Well, years later... <laughs> Brian started his own media company and wanted to reconnect with Pastor Kirk in the hopes of winning him as a client. <laughs> he decided to visit on Sundays only to try to talk PK in the lobby. 
He had no intention of becoming part of the church. But as Brian put it, week after week, it all started to seep in. The teachings were helping my family. It seemed like each Sunday's message was written just for me and my life. I wanted to keep coming and hear more. These messages were actually helpful. Soon, Brian began bringing his kids, Jackson and Paige, and they loved it. Julie, however, was more reluctant to visit. She'd grown up in a different kind of church, and she wasn't even sure if she wanted church in her life. But she saw the difference in Brian's life, and her kids were loving it, and her kids were encouraging her to come visit. Finally, she decided to come and quickly realized that this was completely different than any other church she had attended. Before, she always felt a strong sense of guilt and fault after every church service. But here, she felt uplifted, encouraged, and challenged to make a difference. She felt like each Sunday was giving her a roadmap for her life. Her, her perspective on God changed. You're not trying to get into heaven. You've already got your place in heaven. Now go and celebrate and honor God. Listen, there's more. This is beautiful. Before they found the life-giving church, Brian says there was a heaviness and uncertainty over their entire house. Brian's strained relationship with his parents was a source of pain and tension. His parents had moved away to Arizona, and they hadn't talked to each other in years. But through learning about forgiveness and honor in church, Brian and Julie decided to try walking in forgiveness and to not obsess over who was right and who was wrong and just see what would happen. Brian and Julie opened up communication with his parents again, and within months, all hearts were softened, and his parents have now moved back to Asheville. Come on, God put this family back together. <laughs> Brian and Julie say there's now peace in the Carter home. They feel more connected with each other. The atmosphere is less volatile and angry. We have family discussions about God and heaven. Our kids have a strong sense of right and wrong. When problems arise, we have a peace about things resolving, less anxiety. Our reactions are more calm. Keep calm and go to church. In church, they've discovered friends who truly care about them and their family. Before the Rock Church, their circle of relationships was mostly just work acquaintances, but they found the spirit of friendship here, people who cheer you on. Through serving in Kids Rock, Brian and Julie have connected with people. Julie says, when we're volunteering, it doesn't even feel like work. It feels like we're just having fun. It's something we look forward to. God has even awakened dreams in Julie's life. She said, I felt encouraged by Pastor Kirk's teachings and God to find my calling. I took the message series, This Is My Year, to heart, putting the This Is My Year cards all over my house, laminating them, putting them on the refrigerator, on the mirrors. I listened to God leading me where he wanted me to go. And this is the, the final thing they said. Looking back at their three-year journey, Brian says, I always thought church just prepared you for dying, but this church prepares you for living. Come on. Amen. That's one life, one family of the thousands that God has touched through his house. 
Second thing, why I love the house of God, why I want it to be great, is that the teaching of God's word changes our lives. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, and I'm teaching on this starting again next week, mind games, but my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Just like Brian and Julie took the things that they were taught about grace, about honor, about forgiveness. Hey, in church, you learn about God being a God of abundance, God being a God of excellence. In church, you learn that you got to keep watch over your heart because life isn't happening to you. Life is happening through you. You learn how to think right. You learn how to have relationships. You learn how to live family life. You learn about the goodness of God. God's word literally changes lives. Third reason that I love the house of God and want to make it great is because in church, you have incredible worship experiences. Matthew 18, 20, Jesus said this, where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. Something about church. Now, I'm okay. There's people that watch us online. There are people that watch it after, you know, the sort of the, the taped message and the tape service and all that, but there is no replacement for being in the room together. And there's something about church services that bring our focus back to God. Something about being in the room and being in the atmosphere, the, the worship that takes place, it takes our focus off of what's going on around us and puts our focus back on God. We're reminded of the promise of God. We're reminded of the power of God. I have a pretty strong and consistent personal devotional life. I mean, almost every morning of my life, I am up, I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying, I'm worshiping, and I do it on a regular basis. It's just a part of the pattern of my life. I'm not flawless in it, but it's a pretty strong thing. But I will say this without any shadow of doubt, most of my greatest worship experiences have not happened at my house most of my greatest worship experiences have happened right here in the house of God with God's people. The fourth thing is great relationships are born in God's house. Why do I love God's house? Why do I want it to be great? I remember when I first came to church, I didn't understand anything about church. I didn't understand the culture of church, nothing about it. But I, what I did understand was this, people loved me. Love happens in the house of God. The unlovely get loved in the house of God. And you might be wondering, who's the unlovely? You and me get loved in the house of God. Family happens in the house of God. Most people, if they really buy in, will make their greatest friends in the house of God. Destiny connections, partnerships are born in God's house Number five, why do I believe in the house of God and want it to be great is the amazing power of working together. Together, we know this, we can do more. We serve 1,500 hours in our community. I couldn't do that by myself. We gave $125,000 to missions. I couldn't do that by myself. We went to six different nations and countries. I couldn't do that by myself, nor could you. But together, we can do something amazing. Genesis eleven six. the Lord said, behold, they're like one people. They all have the same language. And what they began to do, nothing which they purposed to do 
will be impossible. There's no question a few committed people together can change this world. Church gives us an opportunity to serve. Church gives us an opportunity to use our gifts. Sixth thing, here's why I would love the house of God and want to make it great, is people get saved in God's house. One thing I'm grateful for for our church is every Sunday, somebody makes a move toward God every Sunday. And I know some people could say, oh, people can get saved uh, out on a walk in the woods, or people can get saved in this. And, and let, me just, let me just say something. I have, I have been in, I've gotten my hands dirty on a lot of ways to reach people. When I first got saved, I, I grew up in New Orleans. I went down Bourbon Street late at night, handing out tracks. I've been down Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras makes Bell Share look like Disney World. I've been in the middle of all that, trying to reach people on the streets. I've been in the projects of Dallas, Texas, trying to reach people for Christ. I'm not talking theory. I'm talking about somebody who's tried to reach people for Jesus. I put on concerts to try to bring people in. I put on high school assemblies where we went into the high schools and kids were going nuts in these heights. I've done, I've done a lot of things. I've been involved in huge evangelistic crusades. I've preached missions. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you, I'm not talking theory. I'm talking I've done it. I've been there, I've gotten my hands dirty on all of it, and I, without any shadow of a doubt, I see more people get saved, giving their heart to Jesus, and get discipled in the house of God than any other environment. People get saved in the house of God. And then the last thing I want to say is that, and the, the reason I want the house of God to be great is the next generation gets envisioned, just like David put a vision in Solomon. So we are envisioning and empowering the next generation. Psalm 145, verse 4 says, one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Come on, in the house of God, kids learn to worship God. Kids learn to serve. Kids learn to honor authority. Kids learn the Bible. If you think you got inundated with junk growing up. Imagine children now, and it's in the house of God that kids are taught the ways of God. God gave the dream of a great house for his name to David, and David worked hard to put that dream into Solomon. I have a dream, and I think many of you share that dream with me. We share a dream about the greatness of the house of God. And that's what Endeavor is allowing us to do. It's about fulfilling a dream. It's, it's about fulfilling God's dream. Because how many of you know God has a dream for Asheville? God has a dream for this planet. God has a dream for his church, and he's looking for somebody that he could put his dream into their heart. And it would go from their heart into their action. So today we're going to receive 
uh, our Endeavor offering. We're going to give you the opportunity as well to bring your, your tithe. Let me just give you a couple things that this offering is going to go towards. First, Endeavor giving today is going to go, a bunch of it's going to go towards our building project, which we have finally got back on track. We got sidetracked with some <laughs> wrong estimates, but we got it cleaned up. We're ready to fly. You'll see a lot of progress in 2017. Uh, we're going to use some of our in this giving today to help us balance our budget for the Rock Church as a whole so we can finish strong. We're going to partner with Generosity Water to again build another clean water well. Clean water is the first step out of poverty for any location on the earth. We are going to uh, partner with ABCCM once again to help provide heating assistance to people in our community. We're going to partner with Western North Carolina Rescue Ministry in another building project that they are in the middle of. We are going to help buy Christmas gifts for the kids that are at Trinity Place, which is a regular place we go to. And then we are also going to help buy Christmas gifts for uh, those at Richmond Hill Rest Home and Group Home. Without any apology, I am thrilled to ask people to give in a great big way for God. Today, you're being asked, I'm asking myself to give big, to give generously, to give your very best, to give maybe sacrificially, certainly to give in faith, to give cheerfully, because God loves a cheerful giver, possibly to give in a way that your flesh is going, ay, 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 I'd rather keep that for myself, but you know what God wants you to do. Today, you're, at being, you're, you're being asked to give with a vision in mind, with a dream in mind, with people in mind. Come on, there's a lot of stuff we could be blowing our money on, but you're never blowing your money when you're investing it into the house of God, to be giving with God in mind. When I was, when I had first met Suzette, and uh, and I was falling in love with Suzette, uh, I was, you know, we. I remember one time we went out, and and she saw that she had spotted this little uh, light blue velour tracksuit. Got to remember, this is a long time ago, and uh, and she just said she just was like, oh, I'd love to have that. It cost $75. $75 might as well have been $10,000 to me at that time. I, had, I mean, I had nothing. I had nothing. But I was in love. Anybody know what that's about? Anybody, anybody ever been in love? Anybody need to get back in love? Anyway, I was in love. And I thought, you know what? She wants it. I'm going to figure out a way to get it. I didn't have... I barely had two nickels to rub together. But I, I found a way to get $75 together and give her that tracksuit. Because when you're in love, you're not, you're not counting. You're not calculating. You're figuring out how to... All I know is this. Whatever seed I sowed, I got her now. <laughs> Amen. Brothers, come on, it's a life lesson in this right here. But I'm saying to you, when you fall in love with God and His purpose and His heart for His house, you're not, 
you're not just calculating out the pennies, the nickels, the dollars. You're, you're going, God, I love you. I want to see your best. So today we're going to do this. Our ushers are going to bring uh, some containers up for us. There are different ways you can give. Obviously, you could use an envelope, write a check. You could give online if you want to. But if you want to bring something here today, you can bring both your tithe. If you mark your offering endeavor, uh, then we'll know it goes to that. If you don't mark it anything, we'll just receive it as tithe. But we can have a chance to all bring our best to God today. So let's all stand together. And we are going to sing a song of worship. I want to encourage everybody to be a part of this offering today. Let's do it.